Welcome to today's episode of the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Today, this train will be picking up a passenger along the way. We'll be talking a little bit of NBA draft talk, NBA trade talk, and I will conclude today's show with a little bit of college football top 25. Look, it's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. So grab your ticket, get on board, put the seatbelt on, and enjoy the journey. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your conductor and host, Anthony C. A Trains Talk Podcast. Let's get this train rolling. Today's phone call is sponsored by Health Connection. Three locations to serve. 1709 West Douglas, Wichita, Kansas. 3101 North Rock Road, Suite 170, also Wichita, Kansas. And 1001 North Rose Hill Road, Rose Hill, Kansas. This is Tracy, host of the Moonstar Podcast, and you are listening to A-Train. Buckle up, baby, and enjoy the ride. Woo! Are you going to see back from my DJ? Here we are on the train. The train is building up a lot of steam, picking up passengers along the way. It's your conductor, Anthony Smith, on the A-Train Sports Podcast. And today, I reconnected and picked up my boy Smoke somewhere out there on the East Coast, not too far from Howard University. That's right, it's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, and we got a show for you today. We're going to be looking at what happened in the NBA draft, what what happened in trades, interesting trade moves, who were the winners, who were the losers. You want to know know about all that? Just stay tuned to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. So grab your ticket, get on board, enjoy the ride, and stay seated until the train comes to a complete stop. The A Train Sports Talk Podcast, and this show is about to begin. So welcome in on the show, my boy on the East Coast, somewhere near Howard University. Give it up for Smokey. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, A Train. As always, it's a pleasure. And yes, I'm on the East Coast, the best coast. Forget the West Coast, but the South is always home. So thank you, and uh, let's get this show on the road. Man, it has been a while since we have connected, but what better time to do it than right now? I mean, a lot has happened since the last time we talked. I mean, a lot. I mean, I thought I felt an earthquake the other day when they was talking about were you in Texas leaving the Big 12? Then we had the NBA draft. Then I felt another tremor. I guess it was an aftershock. No pun intended because they sucked up the court today. But that aftershock of Russell Westbrook going to the Lakers and the Wizards getting some pieces. And I think that right there in itself will shut down any trade talks about Bradley Bill leaving the Wizards going to Philadelphia, which means Ben Simmons might not get traded until sometime during the season. Very interesting, huh? So your prediction is Ben Simmons won't get traded until the beginning of the season? It might go beyond the beginning of the season because you have to understand this. I've been kind of following that situation and Daryl Morey, you know, even though I know he hears the whispers and I know he knows what's going on with, you know, social media, possibly, he's not one that's going to be swayed by, as they say, court of public opinion, so to speak, we can use that terminology. He, he doesn't have a quick trigger finger. You can call it being stubborn, but he's not going to make a trade just to make a trade just to satisfy the people. He's going to do his due diligence. So 
I mean, with what happened with the Wizards and Bradley Bill, you know, they said he this card has been played. This song has been played over and over and over. You know, he voices his frustration. He seems like he wants out, but at the end of the day, let's say that if I can reference the name Greg Marshall before his demise at Wichita State, the reason other schools could not sway him from Wichita State, he felt like he could win at Wichita State. And Bradley Bill's priority is he feels like he can win in Washington. And okay, let me let me let me stop you there, Train. I don't wanna I don't want to get you going and get you derailed. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm, I'm gonna look out for the safety of the passengers on the train. <laughs> oh, you know, here we go. Let me stop you there. Let me put my seatbelt on. Yeah, please strap up, con- conductor, because you about to get taken for a ride. Uh, so look, let me listen. Let me let me clue you in on something. Your last words you said was, "Bradley Bill thinks he can win in Washington." Yeah, I know. I said he. No, no. no, I said that's his priority. He wants to win no, in no, Washington. No, I mean, okay. Right. But it, if so, if something is a priority, right? Right. It's so a priority, I basically. Due. I got rent due on the first. Right? Uh-huh. I got rent due on the first. Rent is $2,000 a month. This is not me being, but I'm just throwing out numbers here. Mm. Rent is $2,000 a month. I ain't going to be your roommate. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, look. Now... If my teams are trading my roommates away, first of all, you got Russell Westbrook, who's a Hall of Fame point guard. No matter what you want to say about it, no matter his his inefficiency, but if he's one of my roommates and he's alone paying half of the rent, why would I want you to trade him away from me to bring in two people that, you know, are not really there yet? Well, you know, I'm speaking from a devil's advocate, uh, you know, standpoint because I I told you I think the Wizards won, but I'm just speaking from Russell Westbrook's viewpoint here. That's why that's what I'm speaking of. Mm-hmm. But he only wanted to go to he only wanted to go to he only wanted to go to the Lakers, but for Russell Westbrook, but for Bradley Bill, how does that look? You know, for an organization that I want to stand stand by, like I got a Hall of Famer. These three cats ain't no Hall of Famers. And I don't have enough cachet to attract, you know, other stars. Maybe so it looks train, like what am I supposed to do? What what is Bradley Bill supposed to do? Maybe Bradley Bill needs to get to a point and realize, hey, I can't do it alone. I can't get no one here to the nation's capital. Maybe I better link up. <laughs> but but you know what? This past season, though. Might have put a dent in all of that too, because tell me something. Who who actually seen at the beginning of the year? Tell me who in a right mind or even in a wrong, crazy, twisted, demented mind would have thought of this right here? It would be saying NBA Finals, Milwaukee versus Phoenix. Maybe slightly Milwaukee. They were they were going to always be in the mix, but. Phoenix wasn't no more on that radar. Granted, you know, they picked up Chris Paul, and we know Chris Paul's track record. And, you know, even though they lost the finals, Chris Paul, shooting Hall of Fame, one of the greatest point guards of all time and what he brings to the team. But who had Phoenix and Milwaukee pegged for the finals, regardless of how they got there? So that, that's the reason I said, you know, linking up might not always be the best thing to do because if you look at the teams that were in the finals, there wasn't no link-up job. Now, granted, Nets got hurt. Lakers were not at 100%. I get that. I'm still not going to put an asterisk beside the champion. I'm not going to do that. They won it, and they won it. You can't take it away from them. But I get what you're saying on the Bradley Bill situation. So Bradley Bill finds himself in a tough situation. But let's hope that the pieces pan out for him. That's all we can do is hope. I mean, you got at best, what they got are some proven, glorified role players, so to speak. But with that being said, and we'll get back more into some uh, this trade situation, but Detroit Pistons, and we know what they did, even though they tried to blow a smoke screen at the last minute. Wasn't nobody buying that. Yeah, it was leaked out that they might not, you know, they might reconsider 
taking K Cunningham as the number one pick, but we know that wasn't but a little small. That wasn't even a barely a vapor, okay? But Pistons take K Cunningham number one overall pick in NBA draft. Jalen Suggs ends up with the Magic. So, and like I say, feel free to stop me, but it's been a long time since the Detroit Pistons were a factor in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that is something to laugh at, isn't it? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to just stop you after your laugh. I'm just going to say I'm not sold on Cade Cunningham. I'm not sold on Cade Cunningham, and I'm not sold on Jalen Suggs. Uh, and I just for, – for me, for Jalen Suggs in particular, I watched him that whole NCAA tournament, and he didn't, he didn't give me that feeling like I can trust him to carry my team as a point guard. Like, yeah, he wasn't terrible. Yeah, he did, you know, he averaged decent numbers, but I don't see that he had that fight in him. Because with Baylor, if I had a real point guard, like like he should have won he should have been the one that set the tone, but he backed down on, on Baylor. You know, he wasn't attacking, he wasn't doing none of that. Like he was just shooting. So I, I just don't I don't know. I'm not I'm not feeling Jalen Suggs. Now let me ask you this in, in, in bringing that up. Was it that he backed down from Baylor, or was it that Baylor was just that more of the dominant, more athletic team? And it just goes to show, you know, regardless, I mean, Gonzaga's going to always be in the mix. But did they just not have enough guns? Because clearly, I mean, they was hyping this up as this is Gonzaga's year. This is the team. We finally get to see an undefeated team. But, you know, like Mike Tyson says, Everybody has a plan until you punch them in the mouth. And let's just face it. Baylor basically was basically the team deemed as the underdog, and they basically had the chip on their shoulder, and they went in and said, you know what? We're going to bet on ourselves. And that seemed to be a recurring okay. theme. And Baylor just had better, to me personally, Baylor had better athletes, and they could have had two Jalen Suggs out there on the court, and I still don't think it would have been enough. I mean, I think ultimately, at the end of the day, Baylor won the NCAA championship, so they have the better team, of course. But for Gonzaga to be the number one overall, I believe they were that in the tournament. I believe they're the number one overall, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I would expect I would expect to get more fight out of their number one player on that team, which was Jalen Suggs. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, Timmy, Timmy was nice. He did, you know, he had his heart. But, like, for me, Jalen Suggs in that last game, in that championship game, albeit he did beat the, you know, beat, I think, believe UCLA at the buzzer, you know, in the uh, Final Four. So, I'll give him that. But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sold on Jalen Suggs. I, I, I'm really, I'm not. And I'm not even, this is not even me trying to be, like, a UNC homer or anything of that nature. I'm just not really sold on Jalen Suggs. Got you. I got you on that. And you mentioned Cade Cunningham, and I had the chance to – I wasn't there, but I witnessed the game because he played at Oklahoma State, and they came in to Wichita State. And if you pull up his stats – his stats were not that great, but he did what your star player is supposed to do. He hit the most important shot when he counted the most, and they barely came away with the victory. But remember this name. He may not be an offensive threat that we were projecting him to be, but defensively, defensively, he pretty much had Kate Cunningham locked up. The name is Dexter Dennis. Remember that name, okay? That way, when you're watching college basketball this year and you happen to see a Wichita State game and you see that pretty name Dexter Dennis, remember who told you about him. He is a lockdown defensive player. And if Cade Cunningham was on this show, he would probably tell you one of his toughest opponents that he went up against would have been Dexter Dennis, Wichita State University. Anyway, moving on with this particular article, they're hoping – the Detroit Pistons, Cade Cunningham can be the player to finally get them back to prominence after making the Oklahoma State star the top overall pick in the 20, 
2021 NBA draft on Thursday night at the Barclays Center. Basically, Cunningham had this to say. He said, it's still crazy to be in the moment. Cunningham wearing an all-black suit, shirt, and tie stayed in an interview with ESPN's Malika Andrews after, after the selection was made. He said, words can't really explain the emotion. Everybody is so happy. My family is out here to be able to celebrate this moment with them. It's a blessing. And, you know, look, you have to stop right there because when you think about what it was like last year at this time, Cooped up, birth, everything was virtual. It was good to finally see an NBA draft interaction because the way things were looking now, we could very well be headed back down that same path. <laughs> then, as expected, then, as expected, he said, he also said this, he says, I love it. Detroit, I'm all the way in. Detroit Pistons, I'm all the way in. Let's do it. Now, let's stop right there. Because let's just face it, we're getting ready to face a new era in the NBA sometime soon. The day is going to come when LeBron is going to hang it up. And just like when LeBron pretty much came into the league. Hold on. Let me stop you there. Okay. I'm going to stop you there. Okay. Because I know you're not about to, I know you're not about to compare Caden Cunningham. No, I'm not. No, I'm okay. not going to do that. I'm not going okay. to do that. Let, let me tell okay. you what I'm doing. Because every time there appears to be a superstar on the way out and one coming in, mm-hmm. everybody's trying to find that next one that was going out. And I am a big proponent of let's not try to find the next Michael Jordan. Let's not try to find the next Kobe Bryant. Let's not try to find the next LeBron James. Won't we just let the next somebody be what their God-given okay. birth so, name is? So let me let me tell you this then. Let me let me let me come back at with you with this because all three of you names you said let's not find LeBron, let's not find Michael Jordan, let's not find uh Kobe Bryant. Right? Mm-hmm. So instead of trying to have that perspective of trying to draft the next person. How about when LeBron James retires, let's elevate somebody that's within the league and propel them to be the next. So I'm going to give you a name. You know who I'm already going to go with? Luka Doncic. Like, you, but you know what I'm saying? You said let's not find them three. You know, you said LeBron, you said Kobe, you said Mike. But quiet as it kept, A, train, respect, respectfully, of course. Like, Luka Doncic is really going to be on that level. Like, I don't know if people have been playing, paying attention to the Olympics, but he's taking a Slovenia team, a country of 2 million people, and just elevate them to an undefeated record between the, the prelims and to the regular Olympics right now. And by the way, he has a game tomorrow, tomorrow morning, Sunday morning, 4.20 a.m. Eastern time, 3.20 a.m. Central, uh, you know, you know, following, following on the, you know, the time, the time zones. But, you know, I just get tired of like people, especially Americans, just want to discount a foreign born player. Like, bro, like quite a, you're not the best no more. As you've seen is evident in the current Olympics, the Olympic games, like you lost to Nigeria in some exhibition game, Nigeria. And that's no shade to Nigeria. God bless my African brothers. But, like, that's Nigeria. Like, what are you doing? You have no reason going to Nigeria in anything in basketball-related skills. So, obviously, that's an evident that the talent around the world has evolved. So, it's no longer who's Michael Jordan, who's Kobe Bryant, who's Larry Bird, or who's that, Magic Johnson. It's like, who's Luka Doncic? Who's going to be somebody around the world that's going to be able to propel the game? Because I'm only saying Luka Doncic because that's my favorite player, but it could be somebody else that's foreign. You know what I'm saying? So I yeah, just think that the yeah. game, the landscape is going to change. Pro- programming note, to those of you listening to this podcast, uh, Luka Doncic happens to be the son of my co-host right now. <laughs> that's his uh, claim to fame. So I had to, I had to put that in there. That, that's, that, is his, that is his son. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. sure 
when we post a picture up on Twitter, you'll see the resemblance. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, i tell you what we're going to do. Well, we're going to get some more into this article here. Uh, but what we're going to do right now before we get too far ahead, we then already spent about 20 minutes thus far. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a brief pause. And when we come back, we'll have some more on this draft talk. So stay tuned. A train sports talk podcast. Be back after these messages. Want to enhance your workout? Try the workout bands everyone is talking about. Three different resistance levels. Light, medium, and heavy. Only at www.kakeybums.com That's www.kakeybums.com www.kakeybums.com To enhance your workout, with the resistance bands that everyone is talking about. Today's phone call is sponsored by Health Connection. Three locations to serve. 1709 West Douglas, Wichita, Kansas. 3101 North Rock Road, Suite 170, also Wichita, Kansas. And 1001 North Rose Hill Road, Rose Hill, Kansas. This is Tracy, host of the Moonstar Podcast, and you are listening to A-Train. Buckle up, baby, and enjoy the ride. Woo! Catch you once again. Second segment. Let's smoke and pass it out. All right, now you out there in the audience, you have to realize those of you listening, you have to realize that this is old man, young man. I'm the young man, he's the old man. And the thing is, I'm the young man that knows everything, and he's the old man I'm trying to bring up to speed. So Now, when y'all figure out where the truth is, y'all let me know. But we're back on the A train for segment number two. And like I said, we have a lot to get to. I don't know how much time we're going to spend today. It just depends on how much time Smokey can deal with me. I think he has the stamina. He likes to correct me. But I had to remind him this is my show. He's the co-host, so it's part of his show, too. He's very knowledgeable. The fuck am I letting ride along on the train? All right, all right, all right. <laughs> and no, we're not going to come across like the odd couple. You want to know why? Because we're better than Chris Broussard and Ro- Uncle Rob Parker. <laughs> no, no, no. That was the wrong reaction. Let me try that again. We are better than Chris Park, Chris Broussard and Rob Parker. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm pretty sure Smokey would agree with that too. Anyway, welcome back to segment number two of the A Train Sports Talk podcast. We are still talking a little bit about the NBA draft. And of course, you know, that was this past week. And of course, number one overall pick was Cade Cunningham. But as expected, the Houston Rockets and Cleveland Cavaliers took Jalen Green and Evan Mobley. Picks number two and three, respectively. Evan Mobley, though, young man out of USC. Definitely a bona fide big man. Somebody said that he's the next Bill Russell. 
see, that just contradicts what I said earlier about the next this or the next that. But I will say this. When was the last time we were able to say a bona fide big man coming out of the draft? Because what did you have in the NBA Finals? You had who? DeAndre Cooper and DeAndre Eight. Neither one of those guys are going to scare you with their range from outside the arc. But inside the paint is where they're dangerous. And it kind of took you back to the days of old when they actually played the game in the paint as opposed to, and I'm going to say it, and I may get some pushback, but I call it cute ball, pretty ball, analytics ball. Yeah, I get it. If you hit a three-point, if you hit a three-point basket, that's worth more than a two-point shot. But and I really you know, you know the league don't want it. Hey, the league transition, they they love analytics. Yeah, okay. The and league can love analytics it. Analytics is the reason, and analytics is the reason why people don't believe that Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis and LeBron is gonna work. Because the analytics. So I don't know. At the end of the at the end of the day, you still have to play the game. And I'll take my chances on two point shots and a trip to the free throw line. I mean, because, I mean, now, granted, this didn't help none. If you look at the last three champions, I do believe, and you look at their three-point percentage, I think Toronto was at, like, 34%. The Lakers shot 32%. And I think Milwaukee was, like, around 32% as well, too. So, I mean... Yeah, these teams won, but if you look at that three-point shooting percentage, it wasn't the greatest. It wasn't the right home. About yes, they won. So it, but I mean, no, I'm not the biggest proponent of analytics because I mean, it, let me just put it this way: it drives me plumb crazy to see a guy going to the basket, got a sure two-pointer, kicks out to a guy that's in downtown L.A or near LAX, jacking up a three. <laughs> and you, I'm not going to even gonna say it's a 50% chance that the shot go in. First of all, you got to know the guy's percentage. So let's just say you kicking it out, and what, based on the guy's percentage, out of 100%, it's probably a 29% chance that shot's going to go in. And now you have to be like Herm Edwards. You play to win the game. Ding, ding, ding. Do I need to say that again? You play to win the game. Ding, ding, ding. In other words, if I got a sure slam dunk, I'm going to dunk it on you because I know at best that's a sure two points. Why am I going to take my chance on 29% three-point shooter as opposed to at least, I'll say at least a 98% two-point shot because guys do miss dunks, but that's very rare. But we're talking about Evan Mobley, a true big. And I think looking at the finals this past, this past finals, there is room for the old fossils, the old dinosaur throwback days of basketball, where you have to have a dominant big man at some point. Where these guys stretch the floor or not, I'll take my chance on playing old school ball. Because if you have a bona fide big, and don't let them be one that can shoot a free throw. You're not going to be so apt to, if we can use the terminology, play hack and Well, yeah, yeah. So, let me tell you something. Up until the finals, I thought Andre Aiden had made the case that he could have been, like, he definitely was the number one draft pick. He definitely should have been the number one draft pick in uh, 2017 or 18, whatever that year it was. Um because he played phenomenal. And I was just looking at him like, the game is missing a big man like that. Yeah, we got Rudy Gobert. Rudy, Rudy Gobert is like a defensive specialist. And we got Jokic. Jokic is not a traditional center. But DeAndre Aiden, that man right there, like in the whole Western Conference Finals, that's what like a five in today's NBA should look like. That man had a mid-range. He had a post-game. 
He's a, you know, he was blocking shots. He was very good. But, you know, in the finals, he just wet the bed. I don't know if it was a bigger stage or just the pressure playing against Giannis or even Brooke Lopez, but I don't know. I don't know what happened. He just got kind of minimized in the finals. But I'm still not going to say that DeAndre Aiden, you know, is the kind of like, uh, you know, prototype of a five that which we need in today's NBA game. And Evan Mobley, you know, to be compared to Bill Russell, that's kind of crazy because I've never heard anybody in my generation that's coming out of the draft and NBA being being compared to a, ben, a Bill Russell. <laughs> like, I've never heard that. So that's crazy. So, I mean, obviously he has tremendous upside and, you know, I wish the best for him. Absolutely. You know, hopefully he can, you know, carry the lead, you know, at the five position. So it goes on here in the Toronto. The Toronto Raptors opted for Scotty Barnes at number four with former Gonzaga star Jalen Suggs dropping to the Orlando Magic at number five. Golden State Warriors had two picks in the lottery, used them on Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody. So if you want to weigh in on that, feel free to. But um, go ahead. I mean, only thing I got to say about Moses Moody is my man Kendrick Perkins couldn't pronounce his name uh, for <laughs> for how, anything. He how do you that not, man's name. How do you not pronounce Moses Moody? I have no idea. Now I, mean, I can that, see if it was easy, right. I can see if he was Jonathan Kaminga. I can right. see that, but Moses Moody. Right. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, I got yeah, I don't know how you fumbled that name. Like that's Moses Moody. Like that's all you had to say. That's easy as saying Anthony. That's my name, of course. Right, exactly. Or Smokey. Exactly. I mean, people do Moses that every Moody. day anyway, so <laughs> right. Moses Moody. Wow. That's the only thing I have to say. I think um, you know, all those picks are good. You know, those young talent, young generation, so they have a ways to make their mark in the league, you know, but I think the face of the league is still going to be in, you know, those who's in those who already been in the league, you know, already a couple of years, Luca, Lonzo Ball, Zion Williamson. And I'm only saying those names because they are, they are really technically in the same age bracket as those people who just, who were just drafted mm-hmm. uh, 19, 20 years old. Luca Doncic just turned 21. So it's like, they're not far removed from the age department. So I'm just saying, like, in that same age bracket, I mean, they're not going to be carrying the league for a minute, but they're going to be up there with the names that's already in the league right now. So the NBA is bright. Go ahead. No, I'm good. Okay. All right. But anyway, the draft, it all started with Cunningham. Six-foot-eight guard from Dallas will be asked to try to lead the Pistons back into the playoff mix in the Eastern Conference. Detroit has made the postseason three times in the past, 12 season, but hasn't won a playoff game since reaching the East Finals for a sixth straight time in 2008. The Pistons will hope that can finally change after some luck in last month's NBA draft lottery. And la- NBA draft lottery landed them the top overall pick for the first time, get this, since 1970, the year the Detroit. That year, Detroit drafted a future Hall of Famer in St. Bonaventure Center, Bob Lanier. The Pistons will be thrilled to get anywhere near the same outcome this time around as Cunningham joins a roster featuring a couple of impressive players from last year's draft in forward Sadiq Bay and center Isaiah Stewart, plus last year's free agent signing of Jeremy Grant, who is now playing with Team USA at the Summer Olympics in Tokyo. So it's not like Cade is coming in to a empty cupboard. They do have some interesting pieces, so to speak. So feel free to elaborate on that. Specifically on Detroit? Yeah. Um, I mean, with some of the pieces, I mean, you're looking at Sadiq Bay. Isaiah Stewart, Jeremy Grant, and right now we know Grant is playing. Kate Cunningham, yeah. I mean, so they're a young team, right? So they're it, gonna, they're, they're not. 
They're not going to make noise in the Eastern Conference, of course, so they're not going to be a playoff team. Uh, however, I, I will use this year as an advantage to, to put Cade Cunningham in all types of situations to just mature him as a player because uh, his skill set is phenomenal. I don't know how you get compared to a third-year player as your ceiling already because they're, they're comparing him to Luka Doncic and his floor is Chris Middleton. So obviously there's some type of there's there's some skill there. There's obviously something that they can tap in, you know, you know, and hone in their skill his skills. Because your floor is Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton is an all star. Chris Middleton, honestly, I believe got the Milwaukee Bucks to the you know, to the finals. So yeah, I mean it's just yeah, they're young. They're not gonna make no noise. And if I was the Detroit Pistons I will keep the roster intact. Don't make any kind of moves and just develop what you have and see what you got. All right. I mean, there's so much more draft talk that we could talk about. But I think I kind of want to shift gears a little bit. And I think you know exactly where I'm going. NBA trades grades. And you know one of the first things that's going to come up. I'm pretty sure you can have you have an idea, don't you? Of course, yeah. I mean, you have to be living under a damn silo if you don't know what we're talking about. You know, Russell Westbrook to the Lakers for KCP, Montrez Harrell, and Kyle Kuzma. Of course, the Lakers won that trade. Of course, they're gonna win the NBA championship. Of course, they're gonna just be the best you know team on the planet next year because they got a future Hall of Famer in Russell Westbrook. They got the second best player ever to play LeBron James, and they got arguably the best big man in the NBA, you know, on their team, and they're going to just win it. I mean, why not? They're going to win it. But no, you're wrong. They're not going to win it. So, sorry, L.A. fans. I'm sorry to bust the bubble, but they're not going to win it. The Wizards won the trade, and I'm going to tell you why. Russell Westbrook is good at what he does. He's an energetic player. He's passionate. He can score, he can get rebounds, he can assist. But what he's not, he's not a shooter. He's not a good force placer. He doesn't play well without the ball. And L.A. needs that. I don't know. I mean, it's going to be okay for LeBron James to take nights off and stuff because he can handle the ball, Russell Westbrook. But in the whole team schematics things, that's not going to really be a good team. So I believe Brooklyn still is going to be the best team in the league. Uh, Washington, they just got good three role players. Bradley Bill, I'm still sorry for you, but brother, like, you know, you're a better player than what you, you know, you've been treated as. Because albeit, you know, you still got three good role players. You still need a superstar. Washington ain't going to have a superstar for you to play with. So you should go ahead and just bounce too. And, <laughs> you know, let Washington win that trade. But all in all, this was just LeBron and them going to work and just trying to see what they can do to stir some stuff up. But I don't oh. think they won. All right, well, check this out. Here are the words of one Stephen A. Smith and what he had to say about that. Well, if he ends up with the Lakers, obviously, even though they were in the championship picture last year before AD and LeBron periodically went down, definitely Russell Westbrook elevates your chances. There's no denying that. He averaged about 22 a game, which was down by about five points from his previous year, but he shot better from three-point range. First time he shot better than 30% from three-point range over the last four years. He's 32 going on 33 in November. He's an electrifying athlete. We all know that. An incredible finisher at the basket, an incredible uh, a player in the open court. The question about Russell Westbrook is going to be very, very simple, and that's going to pertain to his shot from the perimeter. Can he be a better three-point threat? Because usually that's what things come down to in the Western Conference postseason play. That's the question about him, but that appears to be the only question. He's a significant upgrade, not just from, you know, uh, Schroeder or anybody else, but all the guys mentioned in the trade, the Kuzmas, Harolds of the world, Contavious Caldwell Pope, none of them even combined are Russell Westbrook, particularly when he gets going. And the notion of him being with LeBron and being with Anthony Davis is something that's incredibly, incredibly formidable, particularly when you consider the fact that it's Laker tradition, the Staples Center, that's his home, et cetera, et cetera. 
it would be an electrifying situation, no doubt. How would you answer that question? Can Russ be that threat, that three-point threat? Oh, hell no. That's my only reservation about him. He defends. He goes all out. He never cheats you with effort. He's a superstar talent. Uh, he is the most athletic point guard in the history of the National Basketball Association. Make no mistake about that. Um, but still, Brooklyn would have something to say about it. To a lesser degree, Milwaukee would have something to say about it. If the Clippers stayed together and everybody was healthy, they'd have something to say about it. So there would be teams in both conferences that would try to be roadblocks and they'd have a legitimate chance. But there is... And that was the one and only, sometimes you agree with him, sometimes you don't, Stephen A. Smith. The only thing I hate about that is the fact that he carries my last name, and sometimes he tarnishes my last name. But he made some very interesting points. Can, he made some very interesting points, though. Hello? Does he make any interesting points? Well, with Stephen A., sometimes you have to have a filter. You have to filter in what's good and filter out what's bad. I mean, yeah, you do. I and, mean, but uh, that's, that's what most people that you listen to anyway. I mean, I'm pretty sure whoever listens to us, they're going to come over with the same opinion. But we're not, No, they're going to agree with me 100%. We're not on a national level like Stephen A. and They're going to they gonna agree with me 100%. Okay. <laughs> No, but also, <laughs> you cracking crack me up sometimes. You know that, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. In all seriousness, Stephen A. Uh, does make valid points sometimes, and um, I just don't believe the, what the point that he the pressure is on Russell Westbrook. It's not. I mean, his legacy, I think, is already, you know, determined. Averaging three straight triple doubles. I mean, he's a top point guard of all time. One of the top point guards of all time. Not Magic Johnson, of course. So he could probably be number two or three. Isaiah Thomas, probably two. So he can be three. Uh, but LeBron is the pressures on LeBron. Period. Because this all is this is all saying him trying to be Jordan, trying to get them rings. That's all what it is. Because if he was really trying to be a team, they would have got Buddy Hill. And Buddy Hill I've heard that too. And Buddy Hill is a better player for that system and for that team than Russell Westbrook. Period. Matter, matter of fact, I heard that on uh Fox Sports Radio guy. I actually happen to like and I think he makes a lot of good sense. Uh he used to fill in for Clay Travis a lot. He has his own show on the weekends now. Jason Martin at J Mart Radio. But he tends to think that the Lakers would have been better off if they could have acquired Buddy Hill. Uh-huh. So, but anyway, here's how this went down. The Los Angeles Lakers pursuit of a third star has brought Russell Westbrook home to L.A. Hours before Thursday's NBA draft, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski one, if he tells you something, you can take to the bank pretty much. Reported the Lakers had agreed to send Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, forward Kyle Kuzma, center Montrezl Harrell, and the overall number 22 pick to the Washington Wizards for Westbrook, two future second-round picks. As Westbrook heads to his fourth team in as many years after previously spending the first 11 seasons of his career with Oklahoma City Thunder, does he still qualify as that kind of star? How will this game fit next to LeBron James and Anthony Davis? And what does dealing Westbrook mean for Bradley Beal's future with the Wizards? Let's take a look. And feel free to stop me at any time. Lakers get Westbrook, 2024 second pick and 2028 second round pick. Wizards get Kuzma, Harold, Caldwell Pope, and 2021 first round pick, which would be the number 22 pick. So, how do you see that panning out? 
watch. Because there were some picks involved and some future draft picks. So who got the better deal of this? Out of the Lakers or the Wizards? Yeah. The Wizards. Simple. So what does this do as far as because there there are so many moving parts and so many ramifications. Because at the start we talked about, you know, Bradley Bill. Right. So does, I mean so does this, this help, move does this help him as far as being a wizard or is there a possibility that he may still end up being traded, say to Philadelphia? Is this yeah, enough to so- keep is this enough to keep him in Washington? Okay. So, look, you brought up Philly. And this situation isn't good for Bradley Bill because Bradley Bill is a legit superstar. That dude can ball. And I don't think that this roster is equipped for Bradley Bill. So he should request a trade and go to whatever team that would take him. Now, for Philly, of course, I would want Bradley Bill. But if I was Washington, I wouldn't want Ben Simmons. Simple. This man would not elevate your team. Um, maybe if I'm Washington, I mean, it may not be a popular trade. Maybe they can entertain a Dame Lillard. Or a CJ McCollum trade for Bradley Bill and do it like that. But I don't see any team having like a, a need right now for a Bradley Bill without trading one of their pieces that's already on their roster, if that makes any sense. One of their key pieces, at least. But if I was him, I still request a trade and see what sticks. Well, all right then. That. That that makes a little bit of sense right there. Because let's just play devil's advocate. Got like a little under five minutes left in this segment. But how would a Ben Simmons work in Washington with the pieces they just acquired? And we're talking KCP or KPC, whatever those acronyms are, Kuzma and Harold. How would Ben Simmons work with that? Is Brad Bill is Bradley Bill still on the team? No. Let's say Bradley Bill's in I mean, honestly, I don't. I'm not sure it would work. I mean, he'll be the point guard, but like that offense would be terrible. Like there will be no one there. And what would it just take for the rock? And what would it take to get Ben Simmons to the next level offensively? Because I think maybe a situation I mean, like that. I mean, at six ten, a point guard at six ten. You're going to have an advantage on most point guards you go up against. His offensive game, okay, granted he doesn't have it's an atrocious. outside shot, but in most in most cases you can take him off the dribble and drive it to the mm-hmm. basket. Right, and I was just talking to uh, you know some of my friends of mine talking about trades and stuff, and how Philly's asking too much for Ben Simmons, and how the Golden State Warriors should do a, like a trade. Straight up, Andrew Wiggins for Ben Simmons or somebody and at a first-round pick because Ben Simmons on Golden State with the healthy Klay Thompson and Draymond Green and Steph Curry will be crazy because, one, if you could put Ben Simmons at the four because he is 6'10", and albeit he can't stretch the floor like a you know traditional four now, but he can still take you off the dribble and exploit all the bigger fours. So that's his offense right there. Not to mention that he can facilitate. And he can facilitate better than Draymond Green. And then he can defend. So, so Golden State Warriors is a team that you should go to. Right, but Golden State ain't willing to give up all those pieces though because No, no, they're right, not. No. Right, because I mean Wiggins' name did come up, but so did Wiseman and nah. And Golden State basically said, not only no, but no. hell no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's basically no, what that's they what said. Philly, Philly is tripping for what they're asking. But Golden State should at least offer him a player 
and a first round draft pick. And, not Andrew Wiseman though. And, and and if Philly is asking that much for Ben Simmons, then seem like common logic will say, if you're asking that much for Ben Simmons, that means that, that will tell me that maybe you think that Ben Simmons actually has more upside and maybe y'all need to get somebody in there that can bring that out of him because there was someone, I can't think of his name, there was someone on the coaching staff and we're going to take a break after this, but there was someone on the coaching staff I believe was up for a coach position and he was the only one that could maximize Ben's potential and if you lose that coach, Ben's liable to go back into whatever tank he's in and the other thing Philly has been accused of is instead of pushing Ben, they've been accused of babying Ben. And maybe it's time to stop babying him and maybe push him. Because if they're asking that much for him, then maybe they see something in him and maybe it's time that they start really working with him and stop treating him like a, as if he's big baby. Remember that player, don't you? Anyway, we got to take another break. And we'll be back on the other side of this break. And wherever the train goes, we'll take you wherever the train goes. A Train Sports Talk Podcast. We'll be back in a few. Anthony Smith here with A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your conductor. Just want to let you know that this podcast is listener supported. That's right, driven by you, the listener, who wants to support. So click on that support button down there. You have three options, 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. We'll get your ad rent on this podcast. So click the support button. Your support will be greatly appreciated. Once again, Anthony Smith with the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. Welcome back to my third and final segment. Very big thank you to my boy Smokey joining me on the Health Connection phone line. Three locations to serve you 1709 West Douglas, 3101 North Rock Road, Suite 170, Wichita, Kansas, and at 1001 North Rose Hill Road, Rose Hill, Kansas. Boy Smokey joining me on the Health Connection Hotline today. So now as I get ready to shift, talk a little bit of college football. Best to give you the 2021 college football top 25. As we get ready to transition, get ready for the college football season, the ever so changing landscape of college football as we know it. And instead of starting at number one, we're going to start at number 25 and work our way up to number 21. So coming in at the number 25 position, TCU. The best parts about head coach Gary Patterson's team are usually their defense. And while this year's unit has lost some key pieces, Defensive end, Kari Coleman is a handful of cornerback. Travias Hodges Thomason is a shutdown specialist. Coming in at number 24, Coastal Carolina with 19 starters back. Coastal is taking aim at another Sun Belt title and the group of five New Year's Day bowl slots. The Chanteliers 
play exciting ball, score a bunch of points, and with Louisiana are clearly the preseason class of the conference. Number 23, the Raging Cajuns hit double figures in victories for the second straight season. But their biggest win came after when head coach Bill Napier decided to stick around Lafayette, at least for one more season, after receiving SEC interest. Coming in at number 22, the Washington Huskies. The big story comes under center with freshman Sam Hewitt with the Royal UW lineage joins incumbent Dylan Morris and Colorado State transfer Patrick O'Brien in what should be a pretty interesting battle to lead a potent offense. Number 21, Indiana. Is IU becoming a football school? As the Hoosier basketball program flounders and tries to regroup, Indiana Gritters are in the process of making a power move. Tom Allen's Hoosiers look primed to build on last year's 6-2 record. Number 20, Texas. That's right, the Longhorns. The latest person charged with reviving the Texas brand is Steve Sarkeesian, who takes over after Tom Herman couldn't do it. Bijan Robinson is a first-rate running back, but UT needs to figure out its offensive line and hope some young receivers step forward. Number 19, those nitty lines from Penn State. If Penn State is to carry over the momentum from a strong 4-0 finish that salvaged a 4-5 season, James Franklin's Lions had better be on point right away. Avoiding another slow start won't be easy, not with games against Wisconsin and Auburn in the first three weeks. Number 18, USC. The Trojans avoid Washington and Oregon on the schedule and will be dangerous as long as Keaton Slovis is under center particularly if he gets a little ground support, which was absent last season. The defense took a step forward last year and returns eight starters. Number 17, LSU. Since Ed Orgeron and his staff have recruited extremely well in recent years, there is talent all over the roster. And with 17 starters back, LSU is well positioned to put its 5-5 five and five post-title hangover season far in the rearview mirror. All-America cornerback Derek Stingley Jr. leads what should be a resurgent defense. Number 16, looking like the Pittsburgh Steelers in those uniforms, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Iowa enters the 2021 season on a six-game winning streak. QB Spencer Petras, who last year piloted an attack that produced the team's most points per game, 31.8 since 2002, is back, as is running back. Tyler Goodson, and a solid line that is fortified by the return of center Tyler Linderbond. Number 15, Arizona State. ASU head coach Herm Everett wants a strong ground game and a stout defense. Last year, Sun Devils averaged 264.3 rushing yards per game, but they were extremely generous on defense, particularly on the back end. If that changes, Everett may just have enough talent on hand to rule the Pac-12 South. Number 14, Miami. If his knee holds up, QB De'Ara King skills, <clears throat> experience, and playmaking ability will keep the Canes in every game. The question is whether the defense can stop somebody or anybody. Miami surrendered 408.4 yards and 27 points per game last season. Coming in at number 13, Wisconsin. It looks like the formula is back in place in Madison. Take one outstanding tailback, Jalen Berger, add an experienced offensive front, just enough passing and a nasty defense, and turn it loose on a Big Ten that is worried of having to play bully ball with the Badgers. <clears throat> number 12, Notre Dame. Notre Dame returns to its independent status this year 
after using the ACC as its coronavirus safe haven. Irish also welcome a new quarterback in Wisconsin transfer Jack Cohen, who will have to keep the chains moving while a rebuilt offensive line finds its footing. Number 11, Florida. Dan Mullen and his staff have recruited well the past two years, and it's time to see if their heralded classes are ready to perform. Most importantly, celebrated QB whisperer Mullen needs to work his magic with new starter Emory Jones. Number 10, North Carolina. Quarterback Sam Howell is a Heisman candidate and potential top draft choice, and he's surrounded by depth and talent on both sides of the ball. Mac Brown's triumphant return to college coaching could hit a crescendo this season. Number nine, Oregon. Head coach Mario Cristobal has this QB situation under control thanks to Boston College transfer Anthony Brown, and there's reason to be excited about the rest of the offense, too. If the D can keep opponents in check, the Ducks ought to make a strong argument for a Final Four spot. Number eight, Cincinnati. Head coach Luke Fickle welcomes back QB Desmond Ryder and a lot of talent, particularly on offense. We should learn plenty about Cincinnati from back-to-back road games against Indiana and Notre Dame. Win those and the Bearcats can start thinking about crashing the playoff party. And if they're going to do it, this would have to be the year to do it because we know what's up the road. Speaking of them in Notre Dame, let's go back because there is one thing that kind of stands out. The Irish also welcome in a new quarterback in Wisconsin transfer, Jack Cohn, who will have to keep the chains moving while a rebuilt offensive line finds its footing. It says right here, we should learn plenty about Cincinnati from back-to-back road games against Indiana and Notre Dame. Why is that Notre Dame game so important? Because Notre Dame is having to deal with the rebuilt offensive line. Why do I make a big deal about that? Who remembers the Kansas City Chiefs when Eric Fisher and their other offensive linemen went down? The defense basically peeled their ears back and went full throttle all out. Calls have it. If Cincinnati's defense is anything, they may be able to do the same thing and pull off that win against Notre Dame. Number seven, Iowa State. Cyclones welcome back 19 starters, including a pair of Heisman candidates, quarterback Brock Purdy and running back Brees Hall. Matt Campbell has built something special in Ames, and the playoff for Campbell and the clones could come this year. Number six, Texas A&M. The defense will be the Aggies' strength this year, and that's a good thing in the suddenly offensive-minded SEC with players like in DeMarvin Lead and safety Leon O'Neal, Leon O'Neal Jr. The Aggies hope to prove that defense can still win championships. <clears throat> Number six, Georgia. Here we are at yet another season of Georgia's attempt to surmount the gigantic challenge that is displacing Alabama atop the SEC pile. JT Daniels looks like quarterback the program needs to make the attempt. Number five, Ohio State. At 52-24, a 52-24 championship beatdown at the hands of Alabama was a wake-up call that there is still work to be done in Columbus. Head coach Ryan Day's roster full of five stars make coming to work a little more pleasant, though. Number three, Oklahoma. The Spencer Rattler-led offense speaks for itself. It's the emerging defense that has the Sooner fans talking about a national title, which would be OU's first since 2000. Number two, Clemson. Like Clemson, like the Crimson Tide, the Tigers can overcome the loss of a generation of talent or two. DJ Ugalali might even outdo predecessor Trevor Lawrence 
and win the Heisman Trophy while also winning the title. And checking in at number one, Alabama. Bryce Young steps in for Mac Jones, the quarterback, and Bill O'Brien steps in for departed offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian. Otherwise, same old Bama. Five-star talent, peerless coaching, and championship expectations. So there you have a look at, let me just go ahead and give the credit where credit is due, the Athlon Sports 2021 College Football Top 25. And before I close out, once again, I want to thank my special guest from the East Coast, Smokey, for joining me today on the train. And once again, to let you know, Today's call was sponsored by, once again, the Health Connection. For all your CB need questions, stop by and see Natalie Greenlee. The three locations to serve you, 1709 West Douglas in Wichita, 3101 North Rock Road, Suite 170 also in Wichita, and at 1001 North Rose Hill Road in Rose Hill, Kansas. Once again, it has been my pleasure to be the conductor on this train. Hope you have enjoyed the ride. I've enjoyed bringing what I could bring to you in the world of sports. Gave you a little bit of taste of some college football, top 25. Coming up in the days to come, weeks to come, before the season starts. <clears throat> Definitely, we'll be looking at college football preview, looking at conferences, even looking at HBCU conferences, MEAC, and the Southwest Athletic Conference. So, until next time, take care of yourself and each other. Hope you have enjoyed the ride. Train pulling in. To